Welcome to Level Playing Field, a podcast where two, three, four, or sometimes even more longtime friends get together and talk about one of their favorite hobbies, video games. Today we're going to talk about some of our favorite music in games. My name is Andrew Kimball, and I'm your host and DJ. Joining me on today's episode, we have Caleb Retro Games Van Nice. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Hi, how's everyone doing? Our indie darling, Aubrey Kimball. Hello, everybody. Xbox fanboy Dylan Wren. Hey. <laughs> and famous for his sad time mix, Joe Summer. Dylan is still wrong about so many things. And this episode isn't going to make that any better. <laughs> That's okay. Well, before we dive into this episode, I just want to ask that if you enjoy our show, please tell a friend or two. It would really mean a lot. Also, check us out on all the various social media platforms and YouTube by searching Level Playing Field Gaming so you can interact with us there. If you're still feeling generous after that, subscribing and leaving a review would be super helpful in growing our show and our community. Now, let's get started. So this episode, like we mentioned before, is going to be all about our favorite music and video games. But before we get to that, we had some new stuff happen since we last recorded. We had... Ubisoft Forward, was that what it was called? Uh, yep. Yeah. And we had a Devolver event, and I didn't watch that one because I, when I started watching it, they started like, there was blood everywhere and a bunch of cursing, and my kid was awake, and I was like, well, this is, can't watch this right now, and then I never went back to it. So one of you guys will have to fill me in on that one, but we can start with Ubisoft. Um, we got Assassin's Creed, and we got... Watchdogs were probably the big ones. We actually got to see kind of how those games mm -hmm. looked and played and whatnot. And then, um, you know, it was leaked beforehand, but they announced Far Cry, yeah. which you know, will probably be more Far Cry, but the, the announcement trailer was pretty cool. I have to admit, I was confused by the more, far, like, cool, but they treated, oh, it's another far, far Cry, like it was a big deal. And it's like, you guys have been putting out like one every year yeah like for the past several years and this it, isn't like a oh shoot they brought back that it's like i mean yeah and it comes out in february so mm -hmm. it's not even like their temple franchise but i wonder if maybe the emphasis on this one means that they're gonna shake things up a little bit or if they're just like hey you guys like far cry we got more far cry i mean it yeah. is probably one you know in their top three in terms of like moving copies oh, mm -hmm. yeah yeah i do think this one seems like we, we haven't seen much, but the fact that it seems like it could be set in a more urban environment is interesting to me because every other Far Cry that I've played, which is like three and four, has been very like out wilderness. in the wilderness sort of things. And so I'm interested to see like, is it going to be urban like the trailer seemed to maybe indicate or is it going to be like maybe a slightly bigger town because it'll come out on, an, on the newer consoles, but it's going to be you know, still mostly wilderness. So it seemed interesting. It's uh, the villain interested me um, more than and the Far Cry 4s did. The so. kid is rumored to be Voss from mm -hmm. 3 yeah. as a child, which is interesting mm -hmm. if you're into the lore of the Far Cry games. Caleb, our, our movie guy, what did you think about, you know, the big name actor they have for this one? I thought it was cool to see him. I He did a really good job. In what they did, he did a good job with the acting and everything, as he is wont to do. It is also just kind of funny, because, like, this is yet another thing where he plays 
a very intimidating bad guy. He's <laughs> famous for doing that in, you know, Breaking Bad and in The Mandalorian and uh, a charismatic villain. Yes. I mean, it's not the worst thing to have on your resume. Everyone loves a charismatic villain character actor, but there's a part of me that's like, do you think he ever just wants to play like a suburban dad or something? <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. So I, I, monologue about how feeble the heroes are as I'm torturing. Okay, yeah, I got this. It's in the- Didn't he play um, Pierce Hawthorne's half-brother in Community? He also did that, yes. Yep. yep. Um, His most famous sure role. Same actor. <laughs> I just watched that episode today. Yeah. It, it was the 8-bit video game episode. Yeah. It's relevant. Yes. It is, it is no, a good it is. It was a good episode, and we've mentioned it on this podcast before, actually, weirdly enough. He was, I mean, yeah, he is also for most of that episode, kind of the antagonist though. So it's still not like. A little bit. Yeah. Not so far out of his wheelhouse. No. So Assassin's Creed looks good. It it looks like it's following the same Mm -hmm. basic like structure as Origins and Odyssey, which I kind of figured it would Mm -hmm. be the last, well, maybe not the last, but I figured it would follow in, in that kind of structure. Yeah. A lot of the stuff they showed for it looked kind of not quite done yet or at least i hope it's not i mm-hmm. thought the gameplay and some of the footage looked a little rough but i'm sure it's gonna be fun to play and obviously i'll spend 70 plus hours in it more than likely yeah dylan, two shield style yeah two shield two shields dylan i know you're real excited about that one yeah. Did anything stand out the release date stood out because i didn't realize it came out like the same week or whatever as cyberpunk but yeah currently uh, yeah but uh, yeah no just watching through it all like i was already on board for Assassin's Creed Valhalla because of the Norse setting, but just like the way that it looks like it's shaping up and, and the story. And like, I feel like I'll get way more invested in this one than I was able to get in Odyssey. And I really liked origins and Odyssey is great, but I, I just didn't stick with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this one will be one that I stick with. Now it's mostly just like, I don't know, just everything that it, it showed looked like stuff that I wanted to do in an Assassin's Creed game. And the big choice now is like, which game do I play first? This or cyberpunk. So, cause both That's of those are going to be choice. meaty experiences. <laughs> yeah. It'll, the choice will probably be made based on which one we're going to do a, a review on first, but, uh, plus also we've been waiting for cyberpunk for, how many years and we've been waiting for Valhalla for like a year and a half. Okay. But we knew Valhalla has been coming for like three. So I guess that that's true. Uh, and then watchdogs, um, mm. which weirdly enough, Caleb open world games, especially ones made by Ubisoft suck. Van Ice is actually <laughs> looks really good. Actually. I like, I don't know if it's just the fact that it's like, Hey, so many different playable characters that got me on board, Mm -hmm. but it does look really fun. I mean, even in this, they're showing like the construction guy um, doing his stuff or the hitman. who, I mean, we all agree. That was just basically John wick. It was John. They were explicitly going for like the headshots in the club. That was like a scene out of John wick. Yeah. But I did get a lot of hitman vibes in general from the gameplay, kind of like how you can disguise or use a character that, you know, works for the company or whatever and just walk in and, you know, kind of hack things as distractions if if they start to notice you and things like that. I got a lot of hitman vibes from the gameplay I watched. I actually watched a few like actual uh, outlets gameplay videos today on that game. 
And I think that might be one of the reasons it appeals to you so much because I saw a lot of similarities with the Hitman games, at least in the approaches that were being showed. I feel like you can approach situations in pretty much any fashion, but it seems like that's the one they're really pushing. Yeah, and I do... I do appreciate the bunch of character, you know, every every civilian being theoretically playable is a nice nice way for player self-expression. I can kind of pick who I want my like main ragtag group of heroes to be and I dig that. Um my only concern is that like in the example they showed in the trailer where it's like, "All right, you can get into the space with construction guy, with uh drone lady, or with the woman who works for the company." Um they kind of I I'll be interested to see if it's like they really sort of funnel you into like, this one's the best choice. Mm-hmm. You should do this one as opposed to actually letting you just go in with construction guy and like wreck stuff and get the information that way. Right. But yeah. otherwise it looks good. I did. I have no fondness for the other watchdogs games, but this one I'm, I, I'm intrigued by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, uh, trailer for hyperscape got me interested in oh yeah i forgot about hyperscape that actually looked pretty it's a cool concept we'll Mm -hmm. see if you know if it actually sticks in the battle royale world but yeah it it kind of felt like they were really hoping that they were going to get the license for ready ready player one and then like last minute they didn't and so they were like well it's too late to change our direction now let's just pretend like it's not so let's name it something different but it, it seems really interesting and cool um because it's in beta now, so I may like download it and give it a shot at some point. So, on PC, right? Uh, is it only on PC? I think it's a PC only beta. Because no, I was thinking no. about downloading it on my Xbox, but I don't know that it, I could be wrong. But. Yeah, I haven't looked for it yet. But if it's only on PC, then I'll wait because I don't care about frame rate. So <laughs> apparently, you don't care about playing games either. But eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then is Fortnite I mean, basically ready player one i mean it's got like different people well, you can be in that would be an interesting philosophical debate to have <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not yes yeah and then it wouldn't be an ubisoft conference without a just dance presentation but i don't care <laughs> so. i don't know that that was in like the actual <laughs> core of their presentation though like they had stuff le- like as it was counting down to the actual event. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember seeing Justin. I only watched the actual event. I didn't watch. Yeah, the it's stuff not a new game. It. It's like a new, new songs or something like that. But mm-hmm. if we want to talk about the, the series that sell the most for Ubisoft, I'm pretty sure that might be number one. So. No, that's by far number one. <laughs> Cause they still released that onto, on the Wii, like what, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. It was like the last yep. one for the Wii. Um, okay. So, Real quick, what about Devolver? Was there anything worth mentioning in that little showing? There was nothing I cared about there. I like Shadow Warrior kind of looked interesting. Weird West kind of looks interesting, but not like to the point where I was like, I need to get this. I need to buy this. And Devolver there's... is going to be your weird indie PC games, but not the like Aubrey kind of indie, but the like we liked games that came out in 1990 yeah. and we are going to make games like they came out in 1990. That's kind of, that's a lot of what mm. Devolver does. I need to look at Devolver's there is, <laughs> catalog then. There is a game, like, wait, that's mine. I think that was supposed to have been inspired by Prince of Persia. They, they um, do entertaining um, 
events though i will say yeah. they did um they they published i think um ape out was mm-hmm. that last year that was one of their big ones last year was you're a, an ape escaping and brutally killing soldiers trying to stop you to the tunes of like imp- like impromptu jazz music yeah so it's pretty oh. bombastic oh yeah, i'm gonna have so. to look that one up yeah i think so. it, you hadn't it was... heard of that caleb i it sounds vaguely familiar but i was in college that yeah. year so i didn't do a lot okay devolver also published enter the gungeon mm-hmm. which didn't they do hotline miami too yeah they did hotline miami i love Shadow enter the Warrior. gungeon so yeah, much so cool but nothing really crazy worth talking about from this particular showcase yeah like i mean not for us anyway you some of our listeners may be super into some of those games but i don't at least for me it was nothing that i looked at and was like oh man i can't wait it was a lot of stuff that was like i may try this out if it comes to game pass so right okay and then uh you had on there about Speaking of Game Pass, yes. you had on, on there about xCloud, if you wanted to touch on that real quick before we move on. Oh, yeah. So it's not really like a... It's something that I included because it was interesting to me. But so Game Pass is... Or Project xCloud is coming out of... I guess it'll still be in beta, but it'll be like fully available to anybody with Game Pass Ultimate starting in September. For right, free, right? Or... Uh, yeah, as part of Game Pass Ultimate. As part yeah. of Game yeah. No additional cost. No. I mean, it's supposed to allow you to stream like the full Game Pass library and everything. Right now, you can you can get into the beta, but it's like a limited beta. And if you have an iPhone, like you can't really do much yet. Um, yeah, but the if, iPhone's more like an alpha right now. Yeah. iOS is a lot more restrictive on them, I think. And so it's taking mm-hmm. them longer to get it up and running yeah and i didn't see them mention any like when i think it was phil spencer talking about it i didn't see them really address like the iphone versus android like and and the differences that'll like if there will be differences when this launches in september um but i i just i'm looking forward to project x cloud i think it's one of the many things that xbox is doing or microsoft is doing that sets it apart from you know, Sony or justifies their reasons for making things. So, yeah. Um, but I, I think it, I, I'm interested to see how it works and see like once it gets into the hands of consumers, like, is it something that's mind blowing and makes people like really consider like, do I want to buy an Xbox or do I want to buy a PlayStation? Or if it's just kind of like a fun bonus for people who are already in the Xbox ecosystem, you know? Yeah, a so. couple things I have seen talked about. I haven't like checked, like followed up on them, but I think mm-hmm. I saw that like iPad support won't be there initially. Yeah. I think iPhone will be. And then the other thing I saw was, you know, Stadia was crucified for having like, you know, 15 games at mm-hmm. launch. And I'm pretty sure that Microsoft's goal is to have pretty much everything. I can't remember how they phrased it, but hundreds yeah. of games, essentially, like everything on Game Pass at the very least, I think. Yeah, well, this launch. is saying, yeah, everything on Game Pass is supposed to be there. But I'm I'm also, I, I should have looked this up, but I don't know if any of you guys know, but like, so currently, there's not many, but there are definitely games that you can only play on Xbox that you can't play on PC. 
but can you with xcloud can you stream to a pc and play on I think like so. browser i think so if like if they're in xcloud yeah because I, I guess i ask because like halo infinite's gonna come out and it's gonna come out for xbox and i don't actually know the status of whether or not it's coming out for pc when it like we'll find that out later this month probably but historically the halo games have not come out day and date on pc but would this allow people on pcs to play games right like day and date? Um, yeah i think if i mean if it's on xcloud obviously it's playable mm-hmm. anywhere like that xcloud is available yeah so you could play it in browser but mm-hmm. will that be the way you want to play it who knows we'll see yeah I do well, think I stand by my prediction that xCloud will be the nail in Stadia's coffin at the very mm-hmm. least, but will it catch on broadly? I, I don't know. We'll see. Look, a stiff breeze would be the nail in Stadia's <laughs> coffin. It's just. I think that Phil Spencer has come out and said flat out that like their plan for xCloud is not to replace consoles. Like the optimal mm-hmm. way to play games is on a console or a PC. But yeah. They just want people to have this option, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's kind of how they're approaching it. Whereas a Stadia is trying to be like, "Hey, you don't have to buy a console with us." Mm-hmm. I also, the cynical part of me also assumes that like it's a little bit of hedging their bets. So if you know, the, you know, we do this every cycle of consoles are going to die, we're going to move on from consoles that they can still have like a foot in the door, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, but well, they're also then, putting all their stuff on PC too. So yeah. Well, but also like if if you are a Sony diehard, but you're like, you know, occasionally maybe I want to check out, you know, see what all the Halo games are about because I've never played those. 15 bucks a month paying Microsoft, you can play all those Halo games, you know, on your phone or on your PC or whatever. And it's not the ideal way to play it, but you're still giving Microsoft 15 bucks a month, even though you bought a PlayStation. So in the end, Microsoft's still kind of winning there. That's that's true, and that felt weirdly targeted towards a person who is a diehard <laughs> oh, Sony no. <laughs> and hasn't played the Halo games yet. But well, I played like half of Reach. Reach is so good. <laughs> it was pretty good from what I played. I need to finish it at some point. They should just put an XCloud app on the PlayStation Store, and I totally subscribe. Xbox would do it. Sony yeah, would. Xbox would that's, do it. Sony that's would that's not. very fair. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough news. Let's go ahead and move into our main topic for this episode. So, our main topic for this episode is music. Yay! Yeah, the way it's going to work, we've all picked three of our favorite songs from video games, and we are going to go around, go three, two, one, and um, I'm going to play about a minute of them, and if you want to hear the full tracks or whatever, we'll have links to like the, the YouTube videos or something in the description, or you'll be able to find them. Uh, but for the sake of, you know, the length of this podcast and just overall sanity, we're not going to listen to the full tracks for each song. But we've all picked three, and I'm going to go first. I have a, a a track in mind. I also want to, you know, for the video version of this and, and for how we're recording. And there is a video version. Yes. Where can they find that? Uh, on YouTube and also just youtube (laughs) um 
but yeah, this will also be kind of like a test track. It's not one that I put into our doc. It's like a little bonus to make sure everything's working correctly. So here we go. I thought she sounded familiar. So now that was only 30 seconds. So that should tell you what a minute's going to be like. What is yeah. it going to be like? And Her song trampoline is a bop. Let me just say. Could could you guys hear that? Okay. Yeah, I, I w- mm-hmm. With more velocity towards my ears than I ever want. repeated. <laughs> <laughs> it's bug snacks. So are you going to play bug snacks when it comes out? Because I might give it a shot. <laughs> I can't say for sure that I won't, but it's not at the top of my list. <laughs> it looked like Viva Pinata to me. That was like one of their influences. Viva. Yeah. And it, it seemed like I liked the little bit I played of Viva Pinata. We own Viva Pinata over here, and it's, it is it is well liked by the people who like it. Emily really, really gets a kick out of it. And she actually got retweeted. She drew some art for like some fan art and it got retweeted by like the rare Twitter account. Oh, that's awesome. Celebrity. Nice. So <laughs> that, that was a, that was a troll pick. That was uh obviously that was me what? just trying to be funny. <laughs> um, but I can start if we want. Um, and then we can go around. I think we'll go my screen. We'll go me, Joe, Aubrey, Caleb, Dylan. Okay. Sound fair. Sure. Sure. All right. So, Hope you all enjoyed that. We're going to, I'm going to do my first real track and I'll play it for about a minute and then we can talk about it. I had a hunch that one was going to show up. Yeah, so that is Red Dead Redemption 2. 
that is uh, Stand Unshaken. And I think it was played live at the Game Awards 2019, which... It was. I looked that up. That was a really good performance. Um, Red Dead has really good music that perfectly fits the tone mm-hmm. of that game. Uh, it's also really good on its own, but having played through that game and beaten it, and you know, we're not necessarily going to spoil the games we talk about here, but just all the emotions that are in that that game, this music, like searching for the songs that I was going to talk about on this episode, just listening through some of the songs off that soundtrack brought all that right back to the surface. And mm-hmm. it shows how good that uh, Rockstar is at you know what they do, but also just how well-crafted like every bit of that game, the music, the story, the characters, it's, it's fantastic. But that, that's kind of like the, um, I guess like the main track to the game. I feel like that's the one that obviously like it got performed at the game awards and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. It's like Mm -hmm. title track kind of thing. Um, I thought about doing the Willie Nelson song that was in there because that one hits Mm -hmm. pretty hard when you hear it in the game. I don't think it's quite as good standalone, but it, it's it's really excellent. Um, so that that's my number three. I will say it did play at the music awards because Red Dead looks like it, Red Dead Two specifically looks like a great game that I will never play because it's <laughs> seventy something hours long and exhausting. Um, but I remember when the Game Awards that year came out and I was watching it and that song came on. I'm like, oh. Oh shoot, that's really good actually. Mm-hmm. Like I was I I don't know why, but I just was not expecting much from it. They started playing it and usually the music segments in the Game Awards are kind of when I'm like, all right, I need to go get a drink or something cuz it's they're good, but they're not always like eh. But that was just like phenomenal and I'm like, "Oh, all right. Yeah. That's good music right there." Yeah. Rockstar in general tends to put good like make very good song choices that emphasize key moments. Like I haven't gotten to, I think the, the songs in red dead two, but in, I know in red dead one, like they had a couple of songs that would play in there. Um, when you got to certain parts of the game and right. those were excellent too. So, yeah. And I think that they doubled down in red dead too. Like it, it hits so well in red dead redemption that in two, they, they really went for it. Because they have songs like that at, at multiple points. Uh, so, Joe, we're going to do your number three next. I might have swapped the order if I knew what we were doing, but eh, it's fine. I mean, you can we can do it on the fly. Yeah. What you, you good with this order? You know, I, actually, I would rather go one to three. Okay. We can do that. We have... I think it just will, like, start with the the edgier stuff and then we can end on a more <laughs> lighthearted note all right so number one for for joe i'm just gonna play it from the beginning it'll work better if you play it from the timestamp. okay then I will play the, it the two the that i timestamped, i picked those particular moments since dylan dylan picked the games that initially came to mind for me although i would have <laughs> picked different songs um so that so in trying to think about what I was gonna pick and having to like get a little creative, I went for the angle of looking for music in games where I felt that the music kind of made the game. Because mm-hmm. there's plenty of great video game music out there, but there's some music that like you take the music out and like 
the game is still good mm. and you know it, it's just fine and then there's games where you take the music out and like the game kind of ceases to function um right. and so that that was kind of what i was looking for in this vein was you know like stand unbroken actually that's is a good example of like when that game when that song plays in red dead 2 it's after it's when you're riding back to your camp after like i forget what happens but it's some like big climax moment and then you're kind of riding back to your camp to like kind of recovering and you could just have that silent ride back or you can have like that song playing and like that song playing is what made that moment otherwise it would have just been you know a four minute horse ride Mm. <laughs> right. So, so that's what I was looking for when I picked these songs. Is like those standout key things like that. Mm. Cool. Well, with that, your first one is from Dark Souls Three. So here we go. So that is, it's just one of the boss tracks from Dark Souls 3. They're all, I would say most of them are fairly equal. Mm -hmm. And I just, I picked that one because I particularly liked at that, the, the timestamp where I started it, you have the solo female and then the male choir fades in and kind of builds up. And I just particularly liked that. But in general, the, the music in Dark Souls 3 really makes that game partly from an atmosphere standpoint, which I could spend more time going into, but the boss fights in particular, like that song you just heard is playing while you fight a boss and every boss is playing a track on that caliber. And mm -hmm. it's, they're all specific to that boss. You know, when you fight the deacons of the deep, there's a church organ in the background. Mm -hmm. When you fight Ort of the Boreal Valley, who is this kind of like big, charging guy the music gets very like bombastic and fast and all of that's playing like as you're in the fight like it's not pre-rendered cutscene music where they're perfectly syncing up your actions to the music the time at all right and all that stuff it's it's like it's playing as you're doing everything yourself and it i'm sure bloodborne was the same way but yeah i almost put some bloodborne music in mm -hmm. there but i i couldn't pick like one standout track and like so you talked about red dead like the music made the moment i feel like bloodborne the music is important for the moment but it it's it's that other like version of a really excellent soundtrack where you don't notice that it's 
there necessarily, but you'd notice if it was missing kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Like it has its impact, but it like everything gels so well that the music isn't like the standout part of the the scene, at least not for me. Bloodborne probably would be on like my top 10, but this is top three. So <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that restriction again. Cause that was so incredibly difficult to narrow down <laughs> everything. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how, how do I leave it this was, out? It was harder than I thought it was going to be as well. Yeah. All right. So Aubrey, we yes. are moving on to your number three here. Let's see. bunch from sphinx and the cursed mummy that i probably could have picked definitely a handful i went ahead and went with the main theme because well it's the main theme so there is kind of a through line of that general motif throughout the entire game but it was a kind of game and i've talked about it when i've talked about this game before is that the game just has such character the walk cycles the sound effects the music one of my favorite things about the game when you play as the cursed mummy is you can take on certain effects because you can't be killed. So when you get electrocuted, you have electricity coursing through your body and you can use it to interact with the environment. When you're on fire, you can use the fire that you are is on you to interact with the environment. And for each of the modes that the mummy is in, there's a different tune playing variations on pretty much the same song. And then each of the, like, it's just, I don't know, it's structured like, like an older game that would have levels through it. Each area has its own different soundtrack. And I've, again, I've said it before, I think ancient Egyptology is such an untapped, like, field for games. I love the blend of Arabic in this game, kind of the Arabic motifs and the Middle Eastern motifs. Um, I tried to look up some stuff about the composer and the game itself and just you know like the game everything about it's in relative obscurity there's i couldn't find much info about the composer or anything really the only thing in the wikipedia article about this game is the plot of the game and maybe a little bit about reception um, yeah i that's something i thought of while I, we were listening to it was even if you didn't know what that song was like you kind of get the vibe you're about to go on a epic adventure and in a desert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it just, it sets it up so well. It wraps it up so well. And it's, 
and it's fun. I just like it. It makes me really happy. Cool. All right. Yeah. It's just one more area in the game where you could really see how much love they put into the game. And it really is a shame it didn't move more units. So that brings us to you, Caleb. We're going to play your number three. All right. It's re- it would have been really easy for all three of my top three picks to be from the Legend of Zelda series, but when I had to like narrow it down to like, okay, I got to represent different parts of the kind of music I like in games, Zelda needed a representation somewhere on this podcast, and yeah, Wind Waker is my favorite Zelda soundtrack. It's got more of a Celtic vibe to mm-hmm. it, which I really, really dig, mm-hmm. and that particular track was the end credits, which is this kind of really grand sweeping medley of all the different songs you hear throughout the game, so like... Even that one minute clip had uh, the Earth Temple theme and the Temple theme kind of bouncing off each other there. And it still works in like a Rills theme and at the end Zelda's lullaby and everything. It's like a big grand statement. And when you get to that point, like when you're watching the credits roll, you're kind of just sort of reflecting on everything you went through in the entire journey. And it it hits pretty hard. It's like a great, like, reflective piece. And yeah, no, Wind Waker's a great, great adventure game. And the the music throughout the whole game is so good. I do have to mention my little recurring joke with my family. Wind Waker has a seriously underappreciated score. But the one song everyone seems to appreciate is Dragon Roost Island, which is a great song. Do not get me wrong. But it's also like every time you see someone do like, oh, yeah, here's an album covering Zelda songs, the one song they always pick from Wind Waker is like, it's Dragon Roost Island. It's, I've heard more remixes <laughs> of Dragon Roost Island than I think any other song in the series. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. Like, mo- like it's it's about as good as half the music in this game. I don't know why it always gets singled out. But it, yeah, it's a great game. Great music. I actually, I have a few different video game soundtracks on vinyl and so- whatnot. When Nintendo's really weird about soundtrack releases. There's a couple on Spotify now, but... Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I did actually pay $40 to buy a two-disc CD soundtrack from Japan, like, off the internet, just so I'm like, no, look, I want to be able to listen to the Wind Waker music whenever I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was fourth place for me. I, was, I had two tracks lined up from Wind Waker that I might have used. I had Outset Island, and then I had that opening, mm-hmm. yeah. like, start menu music, mm-hmm. and it's probably some of the most nostalgic music for me mm-hmm. ever. It oh, just it, sure. it's 
it's up there with uh, Howard Shore's Lord of the Ring themes, Lord of the Ring score for just. I can start listening to it and immediately I remember what it's like to be nine years old again. Fuck. Right. I was just thinking that after after the Sphinx and then after Wind Waker and I'm just like just such joy in my heart. I'm like, I think when I was nine and ten years old was the last time I was really, truly happy. Yeah. That's weird how it wow. works. It's like, All right. Well, I felt this joy in a long time. With that, Dylan, let's, uh, let's listen to your number three. Okay. <laughs> I, I will say, even as someone who's never really played a lot of WoW, I always, always have loved their cinematic trailers. Like, mm-hmm. the Mist of Pandaria one is, like, one of my favorite short films because it's got so much personality and character in, like, six minutes. I was like, wow, these guys should just make a movie. And then they did. And Yeah. Well, they <laughs> well to be <laughs> fair, they didn't. Somebody else yeah. did. <laughs> if they had made the movie, it would have been much better. They don't. They don't have the... A, like time to make a full length movie of that quality you gotta remember it takes them like all year to make one of those <laughs> so dylan why'd you pick that song so i picked that song because i couldn't choose between all of the songs that i like from all all across world of warcraft and and even honestly some of like warcraft 3's tracks there, there are so many good ones. Most of my like big ones that I really like come from Wrath of the Lich King, which was the main, like that was kind of the biggest time during my life that I played. And but a call to arms is always like the it's it's been redone like several times. I think it's been on a couple of soundtracks. I could be wrong on that, but it's I I, I tend to gravitate towards sort of like the big bombastic sort of like like intense orchestral sort it of is songs. it is their so. probably their most famous bit except for maybe like the very first opening theme but yeah. like anybody who's watched blizzcon like over the virtual ticket they play that 30 second slice of call to arms all the time <laughs> cool but it's a favorite it's, of one of theirs yeah but yeah so it's it, there's there's a lot of like questing in the world is you know sometimes it can be a little bit boring but the background music that they play while you do that is you know helps it stay kind of enjoyable and i've always kind of enjoyed like the the cinematics tracks and the like when you're in like a dungeon or a raid that has specific 
music associated with it that tends to kind of emphasize those points so cool now joe which one well we've we've discussed which one you would pick but if you want to share it with the people oh so let me pull up the link again just so i can get the right track name but for anybody wondering listen to heart of pandaria off of the mist soundtrack just because that's a particular standout song like it's definitely the world of warcraft style but Mm -hmm. it's completely different than like anything they've done before and anything they've done since yeah and that was a really cool like just soundtrack like i didn't spend much time in pandaria but the the music especially that i heard when leveling through was good so yeah most people actually play with or most people i know play with music off because mm-hmm. we get tired of listening to the same background raid song three <laughs> hours a night, three you know, two or three times a week, and so you just turn music off. Nine um, hours a but week. But a lot of people turn that back on when they go mm-hmm. to Pandaria and mess around there. Cool. Well, Joe got to talk about WoW, and I'm going to get to talk about my favorite game here in a second. Let me play my next track. Cloak and Dagger from The Witcher 3. Honestly, could have probably just picked any song from that soundtrack. (laughs) Um, How could you not pick Steel for Men? Well, is that the Hey Lilile whatever song? That is exactly the one I'm talking about. I couldn't remember what that one was called, first of all. (laughs) And also, that song's kind of a meme at this point, so... Yeah. But I do like it. It can um, be what you want it to be, Tom. For I mean, me, it's the it's just the music of that entire game. It just mm-hmm. I th- I think it's fantastic, and I think it was unique when it came out, and it just was like extremely special. And I think that I've played a lot of games since then, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and most recently Darksiders Three, where like I can mm-hmm. hear them taking things from the Witcher Three soundtrack. It, like not copying it outright, but it's like, okay, I hear the influence. And yeah. also the Witcher 3, or not the Witcher 3, the Witcher show on Netflix, I got a mm-hmm. ton of vibes from the music they chose to go with from the game, which I thought was awesome. I thought it was a great nod uh, because, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. But <laughs> I, I was, I really appreciated how in that show they 
they kind of took influence from the Witcher 3 soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Toss a coin to your Witcher is also a meme, but it's also a great song. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Though I'm also partial to Her Sweet Kiss, the other song uh, Jaskier sings. Mm. And they did, I I know at least if you bought the like hard copy of the game you got the soundtrack for free as well um, yeah I, which was pretty cool i do have that soundtrack for that reason so yes yeah but i can never remember what tracks are called so i just like clicked <laughs> through when we were doing this i kept clicking through for like what's a really good kind of like summary of the soundtrack and that one fit the bill but if i had happened to have stumbled upon the track joe is talking about i might have picked it as well because yeah it's kind of like a good a, one too speaking of joe Let's see what his next track is. All right. Let me find it real quick. It's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember my next one. (laughs) My next one is not for everybody, but my next one is also the best example of the soundtrack making the game. All right. Well, this game has a very specific (laughs) mood. Maybe maybe go to like 80% volume on the YouTube player on this one. Oh, come on. Here we go. Do it if you're cool. Do it if you're cool. If an adrenaline rush was a video game, it would be that game. That's a <laughs> good description. Um, which Caleb has played. Surprisingly, I think Caleb is the only other one to have played this. I've played it, have not beat it. Yeah. Okay, well beat it, Tom. Yeah, it's very tempted. Like I it is it is obviously like not for everybody. Like it is a metal fueled blood spatter skull cracking demon massacre montage <laughs> the name but of that song if, was rip and tear and that is the game's <laughs> philosophy but you know if that's your thing then like you, you'll understand that that game wouldn't have been what it is without that soundtrack because the game mm-hmm. the whole philosophy behind that game was you need to always move always push forward always be fighting this is not a slow down and take cover shooter. This was a like, be fast, get up in it, all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. And what better way to like encourage you to do that when every time you're in combat and you're fast, you're getting up close, you're doing your glory kills, all of that, you've got that plan in the background. And you're constantly pushing forward for the next fight because you would get done and then the soundtrack would fade out. And you're like, but I just got warmed up. So then you're immediately like pushing forward for the next one. 
Um, and Doom Eternal, very similar story. The soundtrack was a little different. I would say it was a little more kind of in like industrial or sci-fi. was mixed in. It wasn't as heavy towards the metal side of things, but obviously it was still, you know, similar deal. Um, so it's just by far and away the mm. the best example of a soundtrack that really made the game. I saw a, a video of like the making of the music for Doom Eternal, and I was pretty impressed. Like he got, he made a choir of metal vocalists, <laughs> and that alone was probably nice. the coolest thing I've ever heard of. Um, Joe, you're playing through Control right now, right? Yeah. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the Ashtray Maze once you get through it. Just okay. Keep that in mind. All right. I need to get I need to get back into Control. I was really enjoying it. Yeah, you should. We can do a spoiler cast. So now we're going to jump to Aubrey's next track, which I'm sure is going to be very similar to what we just heard. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, go ahead and do the Tomb Raider track. All right. Spoilers. I can do that. I am a professional. Have the power. (laughs) All right. So as previously mentioned, a song from Tomb Raider. Here we go. that particular track because it was one of the moments that really made that Tomb Raider game stick for me. Obviously, I've I was super excited, female protagonist, badass reimagining of an iconic character. And then going back to the origins and this is her first adventure. That track is called mm-hmm. First Blood. And that plays over the scene where Lara kills her first man, like her first human being. They've been shipwrecked. She's been scrambling to survive. She's been 
She's crafted her bow. She's run into people. She's realized there's some weird cult stuff going on on this island and everything's like starting to get heavy. And she's like almost molested by this man. He's threatened to kill her friends. She's hid from him. He pulls her out of cover and there's this button mashing tense fight for control of his gun. And you eventually pull the trigger and blow half of his face off. Mm -hmm. And they give it the appropriate reaction to a traumatic experience like that, which is she weeps and rolls over and throws up because she blew half a guy's head off and she's in an incredibly tense situation. And this is something that's changing her fundamentally as a human being. And that's just something I really appreciate about this series is they, they give moments throughout the series that weight. Mm-hmm. But it, what it, that track doesn't do is showcase another thing I want to talk about about that soundtrack, which is something that the composer, Jason Graves, worked with a metal smith to actually concoct, which is something they called the instrument, which is an instrument that they created for a lot of the soundtrack work, which is like almost an art installation piece. It's this like heavy metal like drum or half circle with these weird metal prongs coming off of it. And they would play it with like the like percussive sticks, but also they would play it like a violin. They take a violin bow and scrape it across it. And so throughout a lot of the game, a lot of the the sounds in the soundtrack is made with the instrument that they built to give it an industrial, gritty, creepy feeling like this is music being made by the people who are living in this twisted metal shipwreck built kind of island. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's actually a really, really neat documentary like web series on YouTube about, well, the creation of the game in general, but there is a whole section about the music in particular hosted by an incredibly blonde Zachary Levi. Cause <laughs> he was filming for Thor Interesting. While he also did that. So if, you know, you want to date that, we're talking Thor the Dark World when that came out. Zachary Levi was in Thor the Dark World? Yes. He was. I have an entire, (laughs) there's an entire explanation for that, which we don't have time for me to get into. But he replaced the guy who was in the first Thor, who replaced him when he had to drop out to shoot more Chuck. He was only in the other two Thor movies for five minutes tops. Huh. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Well... From blowing half a guy's face off, let's uh, see what Caleb's next track is. I'm going to guess it's not blowing half a guy's face off. And reacting to it emotionally appropriately.
So, that is Jib Jig, uh, the uh, song from some of the earlier levels in Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest, composed by David Wise. David uh, Wise, what a man. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Donkey Kong series is often weirdly overlooked when it comes to like, ah, yes, Nintendo games Fantastic have great music. music. But yeah, the, the first two game scores especially are like some of my favorites. Two is my favorite score of the whole series um, that opening track what it, it, i think it's donkey kong country one's like opening track mm. is also up there for like top nostalgic mm. music for me oh yeah oh yeah uh but also i realized as i was putting this together as i picked that one this was for the record like before pirates of the caribbean came out this mm. was my pirate music in my head mm. like this was the pirate song <laughs> um but I also realized I really like pirate soundtracks and video games because putting this together, Wind Waker is my number three, and that's like Celtic, but also very pirate influenced throughout the whole game. Right. And then my fourth place that almost made third was uh, from Uncharted 4, which is out of all the Uncharted's, each one's about, you know, like a different part. It's the pirate one. Like it's very <laughs> piratey and adventure <laughs> feeling. So I like pirate soundtracks and video games a lot. And, uh, but two all the way through has some great songs. It's also where the iconic and I could have picked it just to be the most obvious, but sticker brush symphony is from donkey Kong country too. And it's probably one of the best video game songs ever. Mm -hmm. Doesn't Uh, it have like a, like a, a version in the newest smash brothers? Yes. There's actually a few different ones in the newest smash brothers for songs from this game specifically. But yeah, the sticker brush symphony and smash brothers is like really good. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like we could do an entire episode specifically on just like Nintendo property games soundtracks. Yeah. Because yeah. I just off the top of my head, I can't think of a Nintendo game that doesn't have a great soundtrack. Even like, I can't remember what it was uh, when Brawl came out. And, you know, Brawl mm-hmm. was the first time they like put a lot of effort into like, no, no, there's tons of songs in here. Um, the I was listening through like, the car select screen for f-zero's music and i'm like <laughs> this is weirdly great like mm. what's up with that i uh i almost picked the like we shop channel music as my troll song <laughs> for the beginning i mean right. the we shop music is actually pretty great and i'm very amused that it's now become like the meme music for like the younger right. generations mm-hmm. all right so dylan we're uh, back to you let's see what you got for your number two did you want to start it at a particular point I think this one's good. All right. To start whenever.
Yeah, so that was from the Mass Effect series. That was from Mass Effect 3, specifically the point where like you've played through almost the entire game and have spent all this time like uniting the galaxy and you're finally like bringing the entire might of the galaxy against the reapers who you've been fighting against for like three games it was quite Um, epic yeah so there's honestly so many different songs in the mass effect series that are so great suicide mission that was just yeah suicide mission is fantastic the opening music to mass effect one is great and the the closing music to mass effect one is great as well and just even the general like fight music during all of the mass effect games i really enjoyed but this one was one that stands out to me as as just like here's an epic moment that the game has kind of been culminating towards the entire time and mass effect 3 soundtrack is probably my favorite out of all of them just because it it really went into like a more cinematic type of score to me like the the first two are very gamey and the third one is more cinematic in my opinion so well i don't know that they had him they brought in clint mansell to Mm -hmm. do this score for three and he he'd done stuff like requiem for a dream and whatnot Mm -hmm. was known for his very like Mm. arty it cinema like movie music and uh, yeah no that one rad two towers trailer that everyone loved Mm -hmm. That was that was based on the Requiem for a Dream soundtrack. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was actually surprised you didn't go with an end once and for all because that's my favorite Mass Effect. Yeah, piece. I I thought about doing that one too, but I felt like this one would be easier in like a minute. That's fair. <laughs> than, but yes, the end once and for all is also fantastic. Like there are just so many like ones that go with cinematic moments in these games that, like we've kind of talked about, like Joe said, like Andrew was saying, where if the music wasn't like if it had been other music or if the music hadn't been there, it wouldn't have the same impact. Cause this like, to me, when I listen to that song, you know, it's like the end of guardians of the galaxy or like, you know, something like that, where it's like this big culmination of like everything that's been going on or, you know, Lord of the Rings when the Rohirrim are charging down the, the hill or something like that. So. Something kind of strange. I was, expecting it to do and i don't know if this is a fair association with mass effect i feel like it's accurate but mass effect tends to do this thing where it's got that big like dramatic moment mm-hmm. and then it like fades to really quiet and then it's just the melody on like a simple instrument typically like a piano to really let you mm-hmm. like pause and soak it in mm-hmm. it also made me think of i've been replaying mass effect andromeda don't shame me and <laughs> It's got like a really light, kind of gentle, I don't know, reverby kind of soundtrack. It's not super pre- present, except for the occasional mm-hmm. moment where you've got just kind of this like warm kind of moment. Yeah. Which we would call be, that an inception moment. Yeah. It would be <laughs> really cool, except in true Mass Effect Andromeda form, it decided to just do that to me when I was in the middle of a conversation on like Andromeda's <laughs> equivalent of the Citadel. Like I was literally just mid conversation and I just got totally blasted by this inception horn. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, this game so much and yet so little. Mm. Yeah. And prior to Mass Effect Andromeda, pretty much all of BioWare's soundtracks i would have like we're in the running we're in the contention for like a spot on my like 
Dragon Age Inquisition especially has fantastic music. The Knights of the Old Republic games even are, you know, and it's the same sort of deal where it emphasizes those key points. It mm-hmm. will do the fade back and, you know, get sort of introspective and, and like let it breathe a little bit. It's not just like in your face the entire time. Um, so, but yeah, that was, that was my favorite. I know Joe's got a different opinion though. <laughs> Caleb already said it, uh, suicide okay, mission, yeah. suicide mission. That's, that's the biggest, I mean, it's the biggest, mm-hmm. um, track off of there and it's the one yeah. that like other groups have gone on to do renditions yeah. of and yeah isn't it like 13 minutes long though that's i think that's why I didn't no it's it. it's only I would, may, maybe like the the full um like original soundtrack version yeah. is but the various renditions that have been done by like orchestras and whatnot okay. it's only a couple minutes yeah it's i think i was track. looking at the like rend- or the soundtrack ones because like I, I feel like i remember that one being like 10 or 12 minutes or something like that so i was like that's not gonna be like there's so many good parts of it mm-hmm. that because it you know like we said it kind of picks up and then drops down and picks up and mm-hmm. yeah cool yeah that was a hard part about picking some of these orchestral tracks was figuring out a good minute to isolate yeah because like yeah at least how i did most of mine i was like i love all of the music pretty much from this series so let's just pick a song that i really like and but really if you enjoy it go listen to the entire soundtrack (laughs) yeah that's kind of how i was with the witcher all right well time for track one and my final track my track one is not orchestral at all so here we go it's also not from The Witcher. No, it's not. <laughs> I'll explain after we listen to about green hill zone that just like gets me <laughs> but when i hear that melody and like you know how some songs like they just they just click and i don't mm-hmm. like i don't know that i've ever really played past maybe level three in whatever side scrolling sonic games i played that were from that era um but there's just something about that song. Anytime I hear it, it's like I just jam out. I just want to keep listening to it. And there's like uh, covers of it, people playing it on like electric guitar, stuff like that, that I'm just like super into for some reason. And I really like this is, I don't know if it's emotional or what like the right terminology is for the connection I have with this song, but like I'm not even the biggest Sonic the Hedgehog fan. I'm not even the like, but there's just something about Green Hill Zone that just gets me. And it's probably my favorite like retro song period. And mm-hmm. it was the only one on this list that I was like, it has to be on the list somewhere. Uh, I wasn't sure where it was going to fall, but I figured, eh, well, and so 
all the the other tracks a lot more modern a lot more orchestral or like bands you know red dead very impressive musically this is just like i just jammed to this song mm-hmm. just whenever i hear it it's like i like yeah. that yeah well yeah most of the I, I have in my honorable mentions just like all of sonic the hedgehog sonic the hedgehog is a franchise with kind of a mixed like shall we say scorecard on whether or not it's good ever like it is, <laughs> it's probably the most famous franchise with the fewest good actual entries right um <laughs> but the one thing that has remained consistent for the 30 plus years it's been around the music's always great like it's mm-hmm. just it's um sonic hedgehog 2 has a uh, chemical plant zone which might actually be my favorite of all the classic sonic songs uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 had a score that was secretly like co-composed by Michael Jackson and his producers. So it's just, yeah, it's it's got some really great jam and tunes there. Sonic well, CD he, has Sonic Boom. Even, uh, you know, the the most recent Sonic that we've talked about, the horrible... Uh, Forces, yeah. Sonic Forces, like, I didn't hate the music in that game. No, the music in that <laughs> game is pretty good. I'm a little annoyed how good, like, Fist Bump, was, the main theme is. I'm like, it's yeah, like playing, one like... Of- Mm-mm-mm. one of the only like you know good things about that game i didn't mind right. playing some of the levels but like overall not a great game but the uh the music the was actually great. pretty good <laughs> the music was pretty great and it's been like that like uh the main theme for each game is usually like great the various level music's really good i had like in like fifth if if we had gone to like 10 city escape from sonic adventure 2 is like one oh, of my yeah. favorite video game you talk about music also- that makes the moment right it's like oh yeah you're just jumping out of a helicopter and this awesome like pseudo punk rock songs playing you're like all right yeah i got uh, this is a good game it's not but you think it is <laughs> yeah nostalgia plays a big part oh big time all right let's uh see what joe's got lined up for his number one heck yeah the waves sound better when we're not using zoom's audio codec <laughs> go go click on the link and i swear it sounds much better they, they sounded fine to me yeah i just yeah i like sea shanties so mm-hmm. if i, I should have scrubbed there's one particular 
sea shanty that I always like skip through till I got, and I have no idea what it's called. I'd have to hear it, but I should have scrubbed that video till I found it. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're all in there. So that that's my last significantly less like edgy uh, <laughs> song that that makes the game. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's really technically, I guess, not part of the soundtrack. Maybe I don't know. Like it's not really music, as it is just like the your crew singing but that's kind of the thing that i think takes Mm. really took black flag from being like an okay game to being like the best pirate game ever yeah was because when you have all this downtime sailing around like your crews singing shanties and Mm. i picked that one just because that's what i like but i think there's like seven shanties total something like that i think there's more and they like they there's more there's a bunch Oh, there's a bunch? Okay. Yeah. There's there's not that many in the video. No, um, I think there's like 15 or 20 total. Like you unlock them mm-hmm. as collectibles if you want. There might be seven to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, but that I think really, it, it sold the atmosphere of the game mm-hmm. um, overall and drew you into like, like it made just cruising around in your ship like fun and something mm-hmm. you wanted to be doing, even though you were really just sitting there like staring at the screen. And as a shout out to Odyssey, they have shanties in Odyssey as well. And they're sung in Greek, which is a nice touch. And I very nearly included some of those instead of this. I just happened to be 1% more partial to <laughs> the Age of Sail than to Ancient Greece. So I, I picked the two shanties from Black Flag. Mm-hmm. Nice. As yeah. I already stated, I'm down with all pirate game music so yeah well like black flag made my short list of like honorable mentions too because honestly like just the the soundtrack of that game is so good like it's they were clearly going for like a pirates of the caribbean ripoff sort of vibe with their their sound that's what does it's it's still just so good and it i liked kind of like it it pulled in like just the the main soundtrack, like the shanties are fantastic mm-hmm. too, but it pulls in some of like the Middle Eastern influences too, like the the piratey theme, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, that that's that definitely is a game that is made even better by the music. Yeah, and it, even though you know real life counterpart was probably horrible and not something I ever want to visit, as a video game aesthetic, we'll take more of that in everything, yeah. please. <laughs> Yeah, what what's the one that they keep rebooting? Blood and Blood and Sails, Blood and Sail and. It's a good question. I should probably know this. Uh, it was significant. It was absent from Ubisoft's conference. So yeah, and then there were uh, reports afterwards that they had like rebooted it again as yeah. some sort of live service or something. I can't remember what it's yeah. called. But let's move on to happier things. <sighs> Maybe not. Thieves, it's Aubrey's it? next. No, Sea of Thieves is. Uh, it's out. It's rares game it's xbox game no it's i don't remember what it's called but let's let's move on to aubrey's final track here
it's uh, Fireflies on the Porch from the Night in the Woods soundtrack. Night in the Woods is a game about a girl who drops out of college and goes back to her small hometown expecting things to be the same and then they're not. And mm-hmm. depending on the, the route that you take, you build relationships with some of her old friends that she goes back to. And it doesn't ultimately impact the end of the story much per se, but it does make the game more interesting on replayability. This particular song plays if you pursue a friendship track with a character named B, who initially mm-hmm. resents your character for squandering her chance at college. B is forced to take over running her dad's hardware store after her mom passes away and her dad doesn't want to deal with it anymore. And May, the protagonist, is awkward and very unhelpful and wrapped up in her own stuff and tramples all over B's feelings kind of initially. So B does not like you when you first start the game. But this is after working to rebuild that relationship a little bit. You have a nice quiet moment after helping her with something. You just sit on an old lady's front porch and watch the fireflies for a little bit. And it was one of the moments in the game that made me kind of just pause and soak it in. I have several Mm -hmm. screenshots from this scene on the family Xbox. And I think it was my background for a while. It might still be. But Night in the Woods has a lot of, it's got really great music because it's Mm -hmm. an indie game. So it's not going to have like voice acting or a lot of other things. It's a simple flat 2D animated side scrolling quasi platformer mm-hmm. so the the music's really got to show out and it does and it's it's really unique i highly recommend you check it any of our listeners to check out the entire soundtrack because no two tracks are really alike but yeah so that was just a particular moment that meant a lot to me in the game mm-hmm. where you just kind of pause and take it in and go oh yeah it's one of those yeah. moments that like indie films make you feel like you're going to have more of in life and then you really just don't. <laughs> <laughs> Movies lie about everything. Yes, yes yeah. they do. Yeah, but but I I do have to agree with you. There were def- there were a lot of times during that in the woods where I just kind of like stopped and let the music kind of carry on for a little bit cuz it was like, oh this is like this is a cool track. Like I'm going to let this play for a little bit longer before I progress cuz there are plenty of times where it's like th- it'll it'll just keep playing it if you just let it. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like pushing you through. It's not tied to a cutscene. It's like you can just hang out here on this porch or like in the stream or whatever, and and just kind of keep experiencing it if you want to. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it if you got the I think it's been Game Pass or free. I think it's been free with gold. Gold. So like you may have it if you got the bundle for race racial justice too i think it was part of that so mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of people who may yeah if you want to scroll through like 54 pages of free games <laughs> that you got for that or for five bucks or whatever it was yeah it's in there somewhere i think so it's definitely worth it's not that long of a game it's definitely worth checking out if you in, enjoy that kind of thing cool well let's see what caleb's got for his number one here Another indie. Oh, yeah. Speaking of indies, yeah. 
So that is from the game Undertale, and that is the song called Undertale. So obviously I kind of had to mention this game. It's got, in my opinion, one of the best soundtracks any game has ever had, uh, which is cheating a little bit because Toby Fox, the guy who kind of programmed, wrote, designed everything and composed it, is a composer primarily. Like that's what he did before he made Undertale was he composed music for other things and he still mm-hmm. does occasionally. He did a he did a song for the new Pokemon game. He's he's been invited to do mm-hmm. other things. So it's not surprising that his like debut game had a great soundtrack because that's kind of primarily what he's known for. But this song kind of gets picked not only because it's literally the title, it's it's the song the game is named after. But it's just kind of an interesting point in the narrative because it's towards the very end. You're kind of your adventure is almost at a close. And it's when you're hearing the story of how this all started as you sort of walk towards certain doom. You're finally mm-hmm. getting the context for everything that's happened to you so far. And it's this weird moment of both relief that it's almost over, dread that it's, you know, coming to an end in the way that it is. And also, it's kind of changing your perspective because you're actually learning that the context for everything is way more depressing and heartbreaking than you thought. And it also does a good job of shifting perspective musically because the rest of the game is kind of this pseudo 8-bit kind of chiptune music. And it's really, really good versions of that, Mm -hmm. like really great. And this is the first time in the game where it's kind of askew that entirely. And it's like, an actual guitar being played by and it's not even like a synthetic guitar because he's used that earlier in the soundtrack but it's like it's a recording of an actual guitarist playing a guitar mixed in with the other stuff so it's got this surprisingly more human feeling to it and it just Mm -hmm. that sequence hits like a ton of bricks and that song is exactly why he said he he like reworked that song more than any other song in the game like he went through like seven different drafts of just that song it was the one he's like, this one's got to be right. This is the important moment. And I think it it works. That that was mm-hmm. the first minute of it. Uh, the whole song is this ballad, basically. It's really great. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was enjoying it. but In spite of everything, yeah. it's still you. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many good. The whole, the whole under, like I said, that was the song I picked because it's the one the game's named after. But like the whole score beginning to end, I almost picked, I mean, Megalovania is kind of both the meme and also like this really banging like intense music but hopes and dreams also really good and i will never not love a small bird who heroically carries you over a body of water (laughs) Uh, it's like a 40 second song and it's just like the most inexplicably heroic and random song (laughs) for what is essentially just you can eventually unlock to get around this maze it's like the only thing separating one side or the other of this small river Uh, You can either go through this giant maze or you eventually unlock. There's this little bird you can talk to and he will agree to carry you. But it's a small bird. You're a normal sized kid. And it will like it takes it a minute to take you from one pixel to the other. But during that minute, it just plays like the most heroic triumphant song. as This bird like flaps its wings as hard as it can to get you over there. It's hysterical. Nice. All right. Well, final track of the night. No, also from a little indie studio you may not have heard of. <laughs> All right, well, let's see what Dylan's got for us here. Mm-hmm. 
You guys remember when Halo used to be good? Those cellos, man. Yeah. Unfortunately. Those cellos, just whenever they kick in. Yeah. It's so good. Once again, fitting with my theme of, like, basically the entire soundtrack is good and I didn't feel like picking a single thing. Like, I, I did pick that particular song, but really, I love all of the Halo soundtracks, even from the games that are not as great. But... That one particular song is the one that plays as you are escaping the arc at the end of Halo 3. It's basically like, hey, get in this warthog. You just turn the thing on. Everything's blowing up around you. You have to get off the the arc before it explodes. And, And so like the entire time, it's just one big set piece of like you're driving, trying to dodge all these enemies and exploding bits of the the like planet sized weapon that you're on as it explodes. And so that was really cool as someone who played Halo three, like when it came out too, and had played a ton of like Halo one and two, it was really cool to like play through that as the very end of the the game. Cause it was kind of a throwback to the original Halo as you were trying to escape the, the original Halo as it was blowing up in a warthog. And so, but really I just love the Halo soundtracks and kind of the, cool mix of like industrial slash like orchestral stuff that they throw in there. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really unique sound that Marty O'Donnell made. And, and he's one of the few video game composers that I actually know the name of because I like his stuff enough. Um, So, but yeah, Halo in general, I think has a really good soundtrack, just like cutscenes to like set piece moments to just random like in the environment sort of moments and so that's out of all of the games i've played that's probably my favorite soundtrack ever joe how do you do <laughs> uh you know that that is a banger um but it's not the menu music <laughs> <laughs> i mean the menu music is good but I would rather the like bang. No, nothing says that. play me like that menu music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or like the, the ending, or like you pick the one that's from, you've already played the game to get to that one. Yeah. Yeah. But like that, I, that, that one is, that one, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Cause it, like, again, if that music was not playing as you were escaping, like the blowing up arc it would not have the same feel like that music. No, you would just kind of be driving. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the music. There wouldn't be like, zero sense of really like urgency or accomplishment. It would just kind of be mm, meandering. You know, just, yeah. It's like, all right, did my nine to five. Yeah. Going back even home. if they had like the normal, like combat music and stuff that they normally have in like other encounters, like it would just kind of be like, it wouldn't have the same. Nothing would make it, it stand out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even like a, like a rushing to go do the thing kind of music. Yeah. Cause it's at the same time, both tense and like heroic mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's so. like you are doing something awesome right now. Mm-hmm. And that is something I will like, even though I didn't like Halo four and five as much as the original trilogy, the music in four and five is still great. So Halo infinite, please be good. i did want to before we leave all of these i did want to shout out the elder scrolls games they were like a very close bit on my list we won't play those but you know the song Mm -hmm. i've often joked that skyrim is a great game 
but like the main theme is 87 times better than that game deserves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and like one of the reasons it didn't make my list is because I couldn't decide between the Skyrim version, the Morrowind version, or the Oblivion version. But they're all great. Because I love all three of them. I think I ended up picking the Skyrim version in the link that I didn't include. You, you gotta go full hipster and pick the Morrowind version just because. <laughs> I played yeah. Elder Scrolls back when. It's the, it's the no original. <laughs> yeah, like I, I remember playing it on the original Xbox and like when I saw the trailer for Skyrim and got the same hits of like, oh my gosh, it's the song from like Morrowind and Oblivion. Like, yes. So. But now with more chanting. Yeah. And I, and I also wanted to shout out the, they didn't fit in kind of what we were doing, but the, the games with like real world, like non, like the tales from the borderlands and the borderlands games have fantastic soundtrack choices. Mm -hmm. I, Burnout Three Takedown in basically introduced me to the music of my childhood, like <laughs> Rise Against and MCR and mm. Fallout Boy. So, yeah, I, I I wanted to shout those out. I have to say, I probably would have, if it weren't for two things, picked a Tales from the Borderlands song. If a, it doesn't really fit what we're doing, and b, Andrew still needs to play, it and I didn't want to spoil him on what my choice would be, yeah. which would be the uh, opening credits for the fifth episode because mm-hmm. that's spectacular it is well, you really do need to play i look Andrew. forward to it whenever i get around to playing that uh f- it's so good i guess as a shout out i don't have it written down anywhere but the god of war the most mm-hmm. recent soundtrack for that game was i was, I was a little surprised no one picked it i kind well, of was too i i have in my notes that like both God of War and the Final Fantasy VII remake are like two phenomenal soundtracks, but they're just too recent for me to like actually go. Okay, these are two of my favorite things of all time. Mm-hmm. Right. But I yes, do own do. the God of War um, soundtrack on vinyl because I'm like it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're doing shoutouts, real quick, I love the Twilight Princess soundtrack. I love Twilight Princess, but I don't know. That's pure nostalgia though for me. Animal Crossing has a ton of great pieces in it. The atmosphere that Animal Crossing creates is really, really good. Specifically, I want to give a little bit of love to the Wild World main theme. That, to me, will forever just be Animal Crossing. When I think, oh, the Animal Crossing song, like the Wild World main theme is what it is. The Roost theme, I used to just leave my DS open while she was sitting there with her hot cup of coffee waiting for it to cool and just listen to that on repeat, like while I would read another book or something, like I just would listen to that. Hmm. And Keke Basa from specifically the movie, only tangentially related, but they did a beautiful orchestration of that song for the movie. And I really wish more of KK's songs got that treatment we're seeing like the reverse trend with pop songs getting turned into KK Slider songs, which don't get me wrong, is hilarious. Like in my recommended was God is a Woman by Ariana Grande by KK Slider. Like, <laughs> yes, I do want to hear what that sounds like. But like the orchestral version of KK Bossa just like totally turned me around on that song and made me like realize how great a song it actually is. So I need to like look for people doing covers of his stuff because... It's it's really cool. Joe, any shout outs? 
Baba Yetu. I don't. I don't. It's not. <laughs> I don't know if it counts as a soundtrack, but like I've got a soft spot for a bunch of the radio tracks off of GTA Five. Yeah, the same. Yeah. <laughs> five and, and four. Just, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't play four as much, but I like, played a ton of five and played a ton of five online specifically, and and we would cycle through like the same three radio stations and like mm-hmm. i've got those radio stations as spotify playlists and i put them on from time to time and it's like it's all copyrighted music it's not even because of the music itself it's just because of like the memory associated with that music mm-hmm. and i do think that they did a good job of pairing the music with their fictional version of la yeah it all like felt appropriate yeah i hear to have on in the background as you were you know driving up and down the coast. I hear songs from that game, like uh, especially the country songs, like the old country songs I'd never heard before, but like even uh, Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty or songs like that. And I'm like, it it takes me back to Grand Theft Auto. Like music mm. usually will take you back to like a time and place, you know, like a memory. I have songs that take me back to a video game, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think m- my local Publix has a lot of overlap with the classic rock station <laughs> from that game that's hilarious which is just a little weird yeah you like you'll hear you know jerry rafferty you know in, in public just like uh if those were the days <laughs> when we would just get online and like have no real objective that was just like every night we would just get on online with whoever was there yep try to make enough money to buy new wheels for your car or something mm-hmm. cool oh well, cuphead yeah, I Cuphead was I I I thought about putting Cuphead on there, but I couldn't quite couldn't, I couldn't quite make it. That was a contender, a contender for like the music making the game. Mm-hmm. But the the game is so strong on its own. Like I think even if you take the music out, it still is. Like, yeah, the music adds to the atmosphere, though. It it's like it, it definitely it 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 completes the package. Like it puts the bow on top, but it's not. The the box, mm-hmm. if that make if my analogy yeah. makes any sense. Right, good analogy. Okay. Well, and I couldn't like I couldn't pick one tune beyond yeah. just like mm-hmm. the opening theme or whatever. Like it's all really good. And mm-hmm. I went back and listened to the one when you fight that three headed dragon and had a little flashback. But <laughs> some PTSD. <laughs> but it is also great. There's just not a I don't know not that one moment that one like this is it kind of mm-hmm. thing. I have to shout out the Buck Bumble opening rap because it is the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard committed to music and the greatest thing at the same time. Buck Bumble is a terrible N64 game where you play as a really well-armed bumblebee. But like as a kid, I rented it three times and I think it was just because the opening rap was so amazingly dumb that I'm like, this rules. It doesn't. <laughs> um, but no, my serious shout out is the entire Journey soundtrack by Austin Wintory yes. uh, talking about- Talking about music that makes the game, the game is a good transcendent experience, but it's entirely pushed up. The the people who made the game admitted, like, we had a goal and we're like, all right, here's what we're trying to do at this level. And we'd give it to Austin to start working on the working on the score. And he'd come and he'd like elevate it with the music. And so then we had to elevate the visuals and the game design to like match <laughs> it. And then we'd give it back to him. He's like, no, no, no I got to make the music better. So you just have this really good audio visual experience that mm-hmm. it's just phenomenal. I own that one on vinyl too because I had to. Yeah, might be, the, nice. might be the single greatest example of the music making the game. That's when I just straight up put on Spotify and just like vibe too. Cool. 
Well, no more shout outs. Let's move on. <laughs> let's okay, okay. Uh, let's roll into the Game Pass report for this episode. So, the Game Pass report for this episode. Dylan, what you got for us this week? Yeah, and I'll, and I'll keep it short because I know this has been a long episode. But I'm going to talk about No Man's Sky, which I've talked about previously on, you know, just as when we've covered like what we've been playing recently. And I think I talked a little bit about it on the indie game episode that we Sounds did. Right. If you want to hear a lot more about it. But this is this is a, a game that is... it. Recently came to Game Pass, I think, in the past month or two. And so initially when it released, it released to a lot of critical disappointment and fan disappointment. But it has since been updated a ton of times and is now, in my opinion, a pretty fantastic game. It's a space survival exploration-y type of game. So you start off with a broken down ship and... You have to repair your ship and then you can go to space and explore a procedurally generated galaxy, find new ships, find new um, parts of the galaxy, try to follow a story like you. You can choose a few different pathways through the story as you kind of explore what's going on in, in the galaxy and why you are experiencing some of the things that you're experiencing, um, which I won't get into because of spoilers. You can build a base, you can do multiplayer now, you can go a lot of different, like, to a lot of different, like, space stations and and places on planets and stuff that weren't previously there. I think they added, like, a whole under, exploring, like, underwater section to the game that previously wasn't there. They recently announced that there's going to be another big expansion, adding even more different types of buildings and environmental things to the planets that you can explore. Isn't there a VR version as well? Yeah, if you have it on PC or PlayStation, I think you can do the VR version of it. But it's a it's a very like if you like survival games or exploration games, then this is a very like chill, easy to kind of get into game. Like there can be combat but for the most part you can avoid the combat if you want to you can also kind of just be a space pirate if you want to so it's it's very open-ended it's very up to you what you want to do and if you like i said if if any of that sounds interesting or you have game pass and want to check it out or want to play it multiplayer with some friends sometime or something it's definitely got a, a recommendation from me now granted i didn't play it back when it was first released i played it Maybe I think I played it when it first came out on Xbox, which was at like their big relaunch with everything that was kind of updated. Yeah. And so that was much better. But this is this is one that I think justifies like a need for like re-reviews almost of of like you can release something on day one and it can be like a six or seven out of ten. And then months or years later, especially if like the developers are want to keep devoting resources and time to it it can be a nine or ten out of ten it's a it's a really good example of a comeback story i think a Mm -hmm. lot of outlets did re-review it or re-reviewed it with some of those big expansions like beyond yeah and and whatnot joe this seems kind of like a joe game to me but i don't think you've ever played it have you ever had interest in it vaguely i mean it it is 
I would put this at like five out of ten Joes. Like this could be a Joe game, but like mm-hmm. I also tend to not. You need more. Tend to have a harder time games. with like those open ended. <laughs> yeah. Like just mess around and do whatever kind of games. Yeah. How's Animal Crossing going? Without. <laughs> yeah. I've got a whole twenty something hours in Animal Crossing. Because it it um, is very like sci-fi and exploration, but then at the same time, there's like zero competitive side to it. You know, well, it doesn't have to be competitive, but it, it does need direction of some sort. Yeah, like I really and, like Subnautica, yeah. which is a explore and mess around game, but it, Subnautica also has a very much a framework and like mm-hmm. points you in a direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. And I don't want to make it sound like it is completely open-ended. Like there is a direction, there is a storyline that follows through the, like you're, you're trying to get to the center of the galaxy and you keep getting contacted by like these other travelers and there's like sketchy stuff kind of going on. So that like, there is a story, there is an objective, but you are in no way forced into doing anything with that. You can play the entire game ignoring it. Basically, well, you have to follow it up through like repairing your ship, basically, and then and then you can kind of just do whatever you want. So, cool. So endorsed by Dylan, five out of ten Joes. No Man's <laughs> Sky, ladies and gentlemen. If you pay for Game Pass, maybe check it out if it sounds interesting. Cool. Well, then with that, let's go ahead and roll into our closing game for this episode. So I get the honor of hosting our closing game this time around, and I'm excited. I feel like it's been a minute. I know, what a throwback. <laughs> and we're doing uh, Go On, Name Them, which is pretty much uh, the exact name that I that was ripped off from the podcast that originally does this game, and I didn't come up with my own clever name. But essentially, I'll give you like a list of something and I'll tell you, like, um, there's 10 of this thing. Um, and then you will each bid, essentially, on how many of those you think you can name from memory. No Googling. And then, so, like, say Dylan says, oh, I can name three of those. And then Joe would say, well, I can name four. And then Caleb would say five. Well, if nobody thinks they can do five, they have to make, then Caleb, you know, has to do it. They say, okay, go go on, name them. And then Caleb has to name those five. If he names the five, he gets a point. If he doesn't, then I think everybody else gets a point. If I remember correctly. Right. I think that's how he played it with Jay. Yeah. So uh, I have a handful of lists that I I came up with, and we will roll through it and see how it goes. Um, Would one of you be kind enough to pull up, like, a means to keep score for me so I don't have to worry about yeah, managing that. I'll keep score. Cool. All right. So the first one is there are eight Pokemon in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, the Pokemon trainer counts as one. So oh. eight, eight playable <laughs> Pokemon characters, essentially. Um, we're counting the Pokemon trainer as one. How many of those do you think you can name from memory? And All eight. <laughs> wow, just really starting at the top there. <laughs> I'll let Caleb name him. And I'm, name I'm him, cool Caleb. with that. All right. All right. Yep. Ready? All right, Caleb. We got Pikachu, Pichu, Jigglypuff, the Pokemon Trainer, Lucario, Mewtwo, Incineroar, 
and Greninja. All right, so that's a point for Caleb. Greninja Jeez. and Pichu. Those were the two I couldn't remember. Well, you you initially said it, and I was like Charizard, Blastoids, <laughs> Venusaur, and I was, and then you were like, and the Pokemon trainer counts as and one, it's and I was like, Squirtle, Dang dude, it. I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, it is Blastoids. Squirtle, Blastoids. <laughs> it's Squirtle. Okay, Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard. Yeah, yeah, they're each one of the stages of evolution. Duh. Now, if you ask me to do the Pokemon rap, I cannot do that. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to do that. All right. So right now, without including the remakes. There are 19 games in the main Legend of Zelda series. <laughs> How many of those do you think you can name? I can get five. Okay, Dylan I'll bid, says... I'll bid five to start. Dylan says five. I think I could do six. Okay, Aubrey says six. Come on, Caleb. <laughs> we know you, you, know you, you want to do it. And I Joe c- trying to goad Caleb. I, well, Caleb's got to think of how close he, how much he can get safely. Yeah, that's kind of the. Uh, you said there's 19 main Zelda games, so we're not counting any. Are do the handheld games count? Yes, there are handheld games on this list, but I doubt like the Wand of Gamelon counts. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> I could never even heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Faces even. of Evil and Zelda's Adventure. Anyway, um, <laughs> I could probably honestly do all 19, but we'll go for safety and say 15. 15. I definitely can't do 15. <laughs> All right. No Probably can't do 10. All right. So, so we have... Go ahead. All right. The Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask, Legend of Zelda, um, Twilight Princess, Legend of Zelda, Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda uh, Skyward Sword, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. Do the Oracle games count as one each or two or one total? Uh, I see two on here. Okay, then it's Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. Then um, it is the Minish Cap, then Phantom Hourglass and uh, Spirit Tracks. Wow. I was going to throw Impressive. four swords in there. I, was th- I didn't know if Four Swords Adventures and Four it, Swords it would is- count. It's on the list, yeah. Okay. But uh, you, I think you got them. And I, not only did you count them off, you also did like at least the first four, maybe five, in order. <laughs> so that was pretty impressive. Thank you. So what is two points for Caleb so far? Two points for Caleb, zero for everyone else. Say, All right, well, the guy with the massive video game collection is really good at listing off video game related things. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a hard time coming up with things that weren't like lists of games in a series, but mm-hmm. that's on me and not not you. So, um, speaking of that, there have been I have twenty because I didn't count uh, remakes or remasters. We have twenty Call of Duty games. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> so how many do you guys think you can list off? Three. Aubrey says three to get things rolling. <laughs> at least, there's 20 total, at least 10. Joe says 10. I can do, I'll go with 11. Dylan <laughs> says 11. Is Joe, can you do 12, Joe? Joe, can, Yeah, I can do 12. Joe says 12. I'm going to let someone who's let not me do this one. <laughs> I'll let Joe do 12. All right. I feel pretty confident I could get to 12. I don't know that I could get 13. Though. So Joe is doing 12. So we're talking main games? Uh, Yeah. 
I mean, there's a okay. few I've never uh, really heard of on here, but for the most part. Uh, should, I could, should still be able to get to 12 because you have Call of Duty 1, Call of Duty 2, Call of Duty 3, Call of Duty 4. Modern <laughs> and then we finally break the pattern. You have Black Ops, Modern Warfare 2, which I got those out of order. Mm-hmm. Black Ops 2, Black Ops 3, Black Ops 4. So you're up to 9. Modern Warfare again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two more. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Yeah, there you go. That's one. And then... Oh, gosh. One. I want... Oh, one more, Joe. I'm so tense. Yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a tense game. I wanna, what I want to say isn't one of them. I don't know why it's the thing that's forefront in my head. That's the problem with this game. Mm -hmm. You got, Um, there's, yeah. I feel like you got three easy ones to go for still. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, four, Black Ops, one, two, three, four, Modern Warfare, one and two, then just Modern Warfare. I know it's tempting. Nobody give him hints. I'm going to have to give you a timer here in a minute. Jeff. I'm going to say Infinity War. I know that's not it's one of so them. It's so close. There's Infinite just Warfare. Infinite? Yeah, Infinite, Infinite Warfare. Warfare. That's what I was but thinking of. There was Modern Warfare 3. Ghosts. One. World War Ghosts. 2. World at oh, War. God. World at War. Big Red 1. What was the one that are, Kevin Spacey was in? That was Advanced, Advanced Warfare. Warfare. Advanced Warfare. Advanced. So are we going to give him Infinity War or are we going to be sticklers about Infinite Warfare? Infinity Ward did make a couple of them. They made Infinite Warfare. <laughs> so that's yeah, that. like that was what that was what was sticking so front at the beginning of my mind. I knew there was one that was like Infinite War or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I f- I'm, also I feel Infinity like Ward made the games and Infinity War was a well, movie. Wait, so. I feel like if if Joe was hosting, he, he wouldn't have given Did he list there were like three things under the um was that Modern Warfare one? There was the original Modern mm-hmm. Warfare, the two, and then I didn't say Modern Warfare, but 3. he did say both yeah. Modern Warfares. Yeah. So one and I, two, and not the remake one. One and two. No, he said and, one and two. The and remake the and the remake. Re- so three Modern re- Warfares plus four original plus. So that brings up to seven. Well, okay. Yeah, he, so the four original. He got to eleven. The. Call of Duty 4 is Modern Warfare. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. trying to Yeah, I, I said COD 4, Modern Warfare 2, and then the yeah. most recent game okay. that they have called Modern Warfare. Yeah. I think My that math if, is off because that was 12 by Advanced Warfare. I think Warfare. that if, if Joe is hosting, he wouldn't have given it to whoever said Infinity War, but I mean, I'll... I'll nah, I mean, Caleb is... He's winning, but I mean, you could bring Caleb's it back still at this point. Running away with it. All right. In the, in the sake of making this game interesting, we'll give Joe the point. Okay. Because there's a couple slanted his way in the in the future. So, <laughs> all right. The next category is Lord of the Rings games based off the movies and the category I pulled from, from said TV. I'm not sure what there was TV, but like these are mostly based from the, from the movies. Because uh, there's a lot of other, there were other Lord of the Rings games like in the 80s and 90s yeah. and stuff. But um, there's 15. But- 15 what? 15 games that are Lord of the Rings games based off the movies according to Wikipedia. I can do two. Mm. Uh, I'll give a hint to the con- question con- 
contestants, the most recent contentious two games are in this list. Okay, that was going to be my yeah. question. Um, I can do Four. eight. Eight, okay. Uh, at least. I'm doing a quick mental. So Dylan's at eight. I feel like this is a Dylan and Caleb competition here, so. I can, I can do... I can do seven for sure. I can think of the eighth game in my head. Like, I know what it was. I just can't remember what it was called. But you have to say nine or make Dylan name them. Yeah, I can't do more than eight. All right, Dylan. Okay. So eight games. All right. So Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. It's two. The Lord of the Rings, the Third Age. The Lord of the Rings. No, is the game boy version of that separate or no there's only one third in? age okay um lord of the rings the return of the king lord of the rings the two towers okay there was a lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring game that i had is that on this list i can't tell you, you have to make it a guess okay. you have to commit to it i'm gonna make it a guess well because there is a fellowship of the ring that, game. that's where you falter okay that was based on the books apparently mm, yeah but if you want to keep going and see like what were your other guesses just my other guesses one. were Battle for Middle Battle for Middle Earth one and two. Those are on there, and the the Guardians of Middle Earth. That was it. That's also on there. So you you could have got it if you didn't go for the Fellowship. So I, I yeah. think I don't know. Did you mention Tactics? There was a tact. That's there was a Lord of the Rings Tactics game. Apparently, which one did Pandemic make? Well, I have no idea. Lord of the Rings. Oh, that was. So let me give you the list I have. I have Two Towers, Return of the King, Third Age, Battle for Middle Earth, Warrior of Middle Earth, Tactics, Battle for Middle Earth 2, Conquest. Conquest. They all have Lord of the Rings at the beginning. Just keep that in mind. Aragorn's Quest, War in the North. Guardians of Middle Earth. We're going to give Aragorn's Quest. Forgot about Aragorn's Fellowship of the Ring. Fellowship of the Ring was apparently based on the books. Uh, It was. I remember that specific. Guardians of Middle Earth, and then the Shadow Games, and then the two. I don't. These these two are a little tricky. Lego and uh, Lord of the Rings and Lego Hobbit. Which is funny because Lego Hobbit is unfinished because it's based on the first two movies, and they. They said they'd release the third movie as DLC, and it didn't make enough money, so they didn't. (laughs) that feels right yeah so unfortunately that gives everybody else a point yep all because of that damn fellowship of the ring game which i remember playing at your house but they weren't the actors nope they they were not they Um, and i also feel like the hobbit game they made like several years later which is also based on the book not the movie uh borrowed a lot from that fellowship of the ring game like it yeah well, an Aragorn's quest I thought was not based on the movies as no, well. No, it was. Hey. I do remember that. Okay. Take it up with Wikipedia, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh well. Next next list I got. Races in WoW. I have thirteen races in WoW. Five. Thirteen. I could <laughs> I could do ten. <laughs> I think we have to make Joe name go, them. Did the allied races go. count? I don't know what that means. The alliance? No. Start with okay, the safe ones and then <laughs> add some ally ones in there. Okay. Humans, dwarfs, night elves, gnomes, Draenei, worgen, pandas, orcs, 
trolls, Torin, goblin, undead, blood elf. It should That's be thirteen. That's it. Yep. What? So Joe, Joe gets the allied races. Joe gets a point. <laughs> what? What is? What's an allied race? Uh, they're. I guess you may call them like sub races. Uh, so you have mm-hmm. dark iron dwarves, light forged Draenei, high mountain Torin. No, that's a dwarf and a Draenei and a Torin. Well, there is like the Volpera or whatever. Volpe- Volpera. All right. Oh yeah, this I guess is getting into like Pokemon level nonsense. Let's let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's one we're gonna throw Aubrey's way. Hi. And it's gonna be hard to keep track of if you guys think you can commit to high numbers, but. There are 35 types of Animal Crossing villagers. Types? What do you mean by types? Like, oh, species? Uh, like, yeah, animal types. Okay. Three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dude, you're three and three. I raise you two. <laughs> so five? No, I think he means no, two. No, I, I raised <laughs> you two, two. What? The, the joke is I'm going <laughs> down. Oh, You've okay. made me well, explain you that, it. It's Joe. not funny anymore. Um, I'll go with a nice safe eight. Okay, nice safe eight. Yeah, I, I can't confidently get more than like five because <laughs> I don't honestly know what half of them are. Anybody want to do more than eight? Caleb might. For the audio listener, Caleb Here. is in deep thought. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I could. Mm, I could probably stumble my way to it, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for it. Not gonna so risk it. So we gonna make her name them? Yeah. Risk yeah. it right. for the biscuit. All right. Aubrey, do eight and don't go super fast, so I can try to keep up with them. But I think you'll you'll probably get them. Okay. Alligator. Yep. Let's go. Cat. Yep. Dog. Yep. Tiger. Frog. Uh, tiger, yes. Frog, yes. Squirrel. Wolf. And bird. It's a big dang squirrel. Just Is it big? Like- well, there's bird, but then there's also like goose, but they use like the goose body type for like a flamingo character and like a phoenix character and stuff like that i was gonna say goose is not on this list so i'm glad you didn't say goose but you'd be a real silly goose <laughs> <laughs> you uh you managed to get it so there's um for those interested alligator anteater bear bird bull cat chicken cow cub deer dog duck eagle elephant frog goat Gorilla, hamster, hippo, horse, kangaroo, koala, lion, monkey, mouse, octopus, ostrich, penguin, pig, rabbit, rhino, sheep, squirrel, tiger, wolf. Did you say octopus? Yes. <laughs> I yes. There's did one that's indeed. like a Sunday. <laughs> uh, I like There's how for some of them. Like for some of them, that's like just bird in general, but then specifically we're going to have like 15 eagles as well. So So Dylan, what's the score going into the final list? The score is Caleb and Joe tied at three, Aubrey at two and me at zero. (laughs) All right. When did I get the final one? 
because uh, you, you got racism wow and you got call um, of duty yeah call we, of duty and yeah, then dylan missed yeah, one and everyone got an extra point we gave yeah. you call of duty in the oh, okay okay competition. I, I forgot that we all get points when someone else messes up when someone gets it wrong all right so we have one more and this is nintendo handhelds from the game boy forward <laughs> so oh. i didn't include the game and watches but this counts like all the iterations i have how many are there total i have 16 on my list five six sure seven <laughs> this one's getting exciting caleb i don't know if i can do eight i can do nine caleb's at nine i'll let caleb do nine joe he said that I'm very out. confidently joe can you outdo nine dylan has conceded probably not no you could say nine or yeah. ten and see if you can force him to do eleven <laughs> but it could be <laughs> Yeah, that's the struggle. Well, now that you've said that, <laughs> gives it away. I didn't didn't think about it that way. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going up. All right, so we're at nine. Caleb's at nine. Yeah. And Joe and Dylan have conceded. Aubrey? I feel like I would get taken out by, like, pointless BS on this one. Uh, <laughs> not, in the, like, well, not in Nintendo. Hold on, let me... Let you what? Let me do a quick little finger math. Okay, I can't see your fingers, so I'm just, you know, making sure it's not a phone. No. You you, you did use the... Uh, the Fantasy League? The Fantasy League for a game. Well, you said new releases, and I don't know new releases outside of the Fantasy League. This is still just extending a, the time. You're not supposed to look at a screen. All right, I'm going to put a timer on you. Can you do 10 or not? Yeah, screw it. I'll go for 10. All right, Aubrey's at 10. Caleb, can you do 11? Or is Aubrey going to have to name 10? You talking... So there's 18 in total? 16, I think. Let me go 16. Back. can double check. Yeah, I have 16 on my list. I will tell you the Switch does not count. I, I figured the Switch didn't. There is one I don't know if it counts or not, and so I'm hesitant because then I could... Yeah, I could do 11 if I could count that one. Um... Five, four, three. You know what? Yeah, I'll do 11. Caleb's at 11. <laughs> Aubrey, 12. Or is Caleb going to name him? Oh, I really don't think I can do. I don't think I can do 12. Well, then sounds like Caleb's got to name him. I guess he's got to name him. All right. That's just going to give Joe the win if he doesn't get it, though. Let's see what you got. All right. So you got the Game Boy. Yep. You got the Game Boy Color. You got the Game Boy Advance. You have the Game Boy Advance SP. You have the Game Boy Advance Micro. I don't know if they just call it the Game Boy Micro or the Game Boy Advance Micro. I don't know. So that's five. You have the Nintendo DS. You have the Nintendo DS Lite. You have the Nintendo DSi. You have the um, Nintendo 3DS and the Nintendo 3DS XL. So that's 10. Now I just got to get to 11. Um, like I said, there's one I know for a fact. I don't know if it counts because it's, yeah, it's not really handheld. It is and it isn't. This is a pretty shifty list. Yeah, it's it's a weird because there's a couple. There's a couple of things I know that Nintendo released, but I don't know that it 
would count according to this list as a separate product. So uh, you've got you've got one more to make, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's there's uh there's one that seems obvious to me, but maybe I'm in I'm Yeah, I can think of two. There's a, I think there's one that's a like a shoe in, but there's a few that are a little bit um maybe a little more sketchy. Yeah, it's the yeah. sketchy ones I'm worried about, and I can't think of the shoe because I did color, mm-hmm. advance, mm-hmm. SP, mm-hmm. micro, yep, DS, yep, DS light, yep, DSI, yep, 3DS, 3DS XL, yep. Oh, the 2DS. You got it. Yep, Two. that was the one I was 2DS, thinking of. And then the um, was the Game Boy Pocket on that list? The Game Boy Pocket was. That was the other shoe-in one I was thinking of. And then Mm -hmm. the last few that were a little more sketchy were the new Nintendo 3DS, the new Nintendo 3DS XL, and the new Nintendo 2DS XL. Oh, that's just dumb. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So the Virtual Boy didn't count. The Virtual Boy was not on this list. Nope. Good. And the Switch Lite did not count, <laughs> which is surprising because it is only it a is handheld only console. Handheld. Yeah. And I'm not sure, like... And the Wii U wasn't on there. How dare they? That's <laughs> tied to a console. <laughs> no, uh, the Switch Lite, I guess I could see the argument for it. I don't know if, like, this list has been updated since then. Maybe that's why. Yeah. But um, but that's why I said flat out in the beginning, the Switch is not on there. So Weirdly, I really want... A Game Boy Micro. That is weird because it's tiny and it it also came out at the worst time. It's like, okay, kids, you can either get the tiny, non-backlit, microscopic thing of the thing that's been out for five years, or the Nintendo DS. It's brand new. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hmm. That's the probably one that why compl- the micros are only one hundred and twenty bucks on eBay. <laughs> I mean, they were only like 120 bucks when they came out, so it was. Now they're more of a collector's item. They were right. I think the main point was they were cheap. Compared, the DS was like mm-hmm. 200 when it first came out. But, well, they should be cheap, but yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, Dylan. Final scores. Yeah, what's our final score? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, final score, me uh, at zero points in fourth place. Mm. Aubrey with two points and third place. Joe with three points in second place and Caleb as our victor with four points in first place. Congratulations, Caleb, your good job. Wealth of pointless trivia came in handy. This one time. <laughs> yep. That knowledge it served you well. Cool. Well, it's been a long one. And if nobody else has anything to add to that, then I just want to say thanks for checking out this episode of the level playing field podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to help us out in growing our community, Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and give us a like or a follow. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or just want to say hey, feel free to reach out on social media or email us at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com. A big thank you to my co-hosts, Dylan, Joe, Caleb, and Aubrey, and an even bigger thank you to our listeners. We sincerely appreciate you. Now say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you. Goodbye.